Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast, the final one of 2017 on the Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor for this entire year. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets, use promo code BSNBA, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by State Farm. A State Farm agent has the knowledge and experience to anticipate your needs with State Farm, you get more than just an agent. You get a teammate that gets what matters most to you. Go to statefarm.com to get an agent that gets you. And be sure to check out the Ringer's first NBA Relationships Goals video on the ringer.com, the Ringer's YouTube channel, the Ringer's Facebook or Twitter. Remember, like teammates on the court, a relationship with a State Farm agent sets you up for success off the court. We're also brought to you by a couple of podcasts that I'm on this week. For some reason, even though we have no idea if, if the audience is bigger or smaller for podcasts during holiday week, you could tell me either and I'd believe it. But uh, I'm on the Ringer NFL show, a podcast that I taped with Kevin Clark and Chris Borland, the retired linebacker of the 49ers who retired early um, because he was afraid of, of concussions and his, his health. Fascinating conversation on the future in the NFL. That's on the Ringer NFL show this week. I did a two-part podcast with Mark Titus and Tate Frazier on their podcast, The One Shining Podcast, about uh, 12 schools that should have better college basketball programs and don't. And we made 12 suggestions, and it's a good one. And we're going to run a little bit of it at the end of this podcast. Then the other one we did was um, on Ringer NBA show, me and Kevin O'Connor broke down all 30 teams. We had one take on each team each, two parts. That's on the Ringer NBA show. We'll be playing something from that a little bit later as well. Coming up, Mike Francesa is going to do some NFL picks with me. We did badly last week. We're going to do better this week. And then we're going to run a bunch of stuff from the three podcasts I just mentioned. First, Pearl Jam. All right, on the line for the second straight week, hibernating New York radio legend Mike Francesa. We did not do well in our picks last week, Mike. Well, you know, listen, uh, you, you've had a bad year, at least with me. and That was a rare bad week for me, but I want to apologize to, you, to the audience for one thing. I could not have been more wrong about the Eagles and the Raiders. I thought the Raiders would play terribly, and they really did try. And I'll tell you something. I came away from that game, and I don't like one game to ever influence me. But watching that quarterback and watching that secondary, I would really be very concerned about the Eagles going into the playoffs. I didn't like anything I saw. And I'm telling you, that quarterback, look, he, he couldn't miss any more receivers than he missed. That was a dreadful, <laughs> dreadful performance. Then tell me this, Bill. Okay. How did the Cowboys ever lose that game? I, I mean, they know. gave up no yardage. If they don't turn the ball over, they win that game by 17, 20 points. That was unbelievably bad. So that was a tough one. And I apologize for the uh, Eagles because that was my worst pick of the year. I was dead wrong about that game. Didn't deserve to get a push anywhere with that game. Uh, I didn't with the picks, but I might have been another place, but I didn't deserve it. There's no way I deserved it. It was, you know, it was that bad a game. And that would scare me. I don't like one effort to bother me going into the playoffs, but I have to tell you, I will be very concerned about the Eagles going into the playoffs. I felt the same way. They were up 7 nothing, and Nick Foles just had the deer in the headlights slash nervous feet slash every single thing you don't want if you're betting on that quarterback. They're up 7 nothing, and 
you just felt like if the Raiders could get back into it, something weird would happen, which it did. And yet somehow we almost pushed. And some places that won. And in some places during the week, it was eight and a half. I actually know a bunch of people had a push on the game. I don't know anybody who won. Yeah, uh, but even a push was something where you felt like you stole money. There's no question. And yet they didn't kick the PAT, which was hilarious. Which was, un- <laughs> you know, no one made a big deal about that. That was unbelievable. Can you imagine how he would have been Santa Claus to so many people in the stands yeah. if he had kicked the PAT? I, I was shocked that there wasn't an overall. If that game was in New York, there would have been a groan in the stands. Yeah, unbelievable. They would have been groaning. They would have been chanting to kick the extra point. They might have charged the field. I don't feel bad about my pick. <laughs> I don't feel bad about my picks last week because that Eagles thing, you know, I you had to see how bad Nick Foles was. It wasn't oh something I don't God. think we knew heading into it. Cowboys but how about the Cowboys? The Cowboys, they didn't give up any yardage from scrimmage and they lost the game. All they had it was to do was unbelievable. All they had to do was hand off three times and punt, and their defense could have uh, won the game by itself, and they didn't even think to do uh, that. Unbelievable. That made it a very weird weekend. This week is an even stranger week. And I got a couple of things I like, but I'll tell you, there's a couple of things where you have to wonder about coaches and their motivation about manipulating roles and manipulating playoff paths. I've heard yeah. a lot of rumbling about that in the league. And I'll tell you right now, we all know that the Rams run because Jimmy G is not only going to win again, the Rams want him to beat them. So that game, I'm telling you, run as fast as you can run before it's Niners minus eight. Yeah, because the the Niners are winning that game. I agree, and that right now the line is still four and a half. And there's so many different ways you can have fun with it. You can bet it straight up. You can throw it. It's minus two hundred. Put it in parlays. There's a parlay. Niners Seahawks Chargers is plus one thirty three. Uh, I think it's a rare gift. I'm with you. It seems like the Rams not only want no part of winning that game, they're resting Jared Goff, they're resting Todd Gurley. But it's actually here's the thing. They want to be the four right. because they want to play Carolina. They want to be the four because they don't want to play the Falcons. They want to be the force. They can go to Philly. They don't want to go to Minnesota the next week. Right. So they want to be the four for a hundred reasons. Right. They want to they want to play Nick Foles in round two. And yep. also that Philly secondary, who which really it looks like you can throw on them whenever you want. Amari Cooper was getting open, which isn't a good sign. And they for don't them. want anything to do with Minnesota because Minnesota shuts down their running game and they beat them 24 to 7. They don't want any part of Minnesota. So, absolutely. Now, I think you'll see some other teams really go hard. I think Minnesota, I think Zim is the type. Reminds me a little bit of Parcells in that he'll never, ever think about losing anything. He'd win at Tiddlywing. So, I yep. think Zimmer will play really hard with his team. And I'm telling you, this team, I'm going to go to the well, and I, I have to admit they've burned me before this year, but I think I go into the well with the Falcons. I think with in front of them in their building, if they can't win this game, they are one of the real, real terrible you know, return stories after a Super Bowl because this team has tons of talent. They haven't clicked all year. It's still right in front of them. They have to make the playoffs with this game this week. They have to. Well, let's talk. We both picked them last week. I still don't feel like it was a bad pick. The whole logic was they're getting five. It was an either or game, division, dome. They, You figured even if they didn't win, you'd love getting the points. And they did everything they could to shoot themselves in the foot from minute They have one. all year. Yeah. They have all year. Whenever they haven't done that, they've been good enough to win. And agreed. 
I'm going back on them. I think they'll win. I And listen, I think Carolina's going to try. There's reason for Carolina to try. They can move up. They know that. They can get a home game. They can move around. Some teams are going to... Now, I've always found that teams play unbelievably hard to get into the playoffs. They play hard to get a week off. They usually don't play hard for seeding. That's one thing you got to watch. When you have a week off, like the Pats, you know they're going to win. I mean, we know that. The Steelers, they're going to win. The only question is by how many. You know they're going to win the games. And I'm not going to be given any 17-point games. I just don't do that. So I'm not going to tell you to take the Pats minus 17. I'm not going to do that. So, I mean, but the, the point is, though, we all expect it to happen. They also might be a Hackenberg sighting. And if there is, well, I don't even know what to say about that. So, uh, but we know the amazing thing is the Pats are going to look how many games they're going to have won this year and give me the games they were impressive in in this entire season. I saw on uh, Football Outsiders, they do the DVOA, the advanced metric to measure offense, defense, special teams. The Pats are the number one offense and the number 32 defense. And and it actually makes sense because I watch every Pats game and I've never felt even for one quarter good about their defense. And they're going to be a one no, seed. No, I agree. It's amazing. Not only that, they'll be a favorite to get to the Super Bowl again. And you know they're going to make the plays they have to make on offense all the time. You can scare them with a pass rush, especially if you can get some pressure up the middle. You know you can give them trouble. Otherwise, you're not giving them any trouble. And again, you know somehow they'll come up with the interception they have to come up with. Or now James Harrison will come up with the sack he has to come up with in, in the AFC championship game. I mean, that's just typical. He'll make the sack that strips the ball from Roethlisberger and the Pats will go to the Super Bowl right. in a couple of weeks. That'll be what happens. I mean, we can see that one a mile away. Or or he'll get the unsportsmanlike penalty conduct that keeps a drive alive and then we're all going to think he's a spy. I'm still, not, I'm still worried that Mike Tomlin sent him to ruin the Pats. We don't know. All right, do you think there's a team that needs to win and get in? And that's Baltimore, that's Tennessee, that's Atlanta, that will outright lose. I do, actually. One of my picks, I think Tennessee sucks. I'm just not a believer. I read, I, I've been monitoring all the quotes this week from the teams that really don't have a lot to play for, but you can kind of tell from the coaches, like the Rams pretty quickly were, were saying, we're out, I'm not playing these guys, and they clearly don't yep. care. Marone is doing the Belichick slash Parcells move of that's from Coughlin too. It's the same thing. Yeah, they come I want to win. Yeah, he's like this is yeah, this is a game. The, they're going to play hard. They're playing hard. There's no question. They're from the same cloth. Zimmer, Coughlin, Marone. They're from the same cloth. They. I'm. I'm telling you. I remember games where Bill had nothing to play for and put up fifty. Okay, right. I'm telling you, he he wouldn't lose a preseason game. Yeah. He if if they kept score in your driveway, he's going to win the game. So I think it's true of Jacksonville. I think it's it's true of uh, of a couple other teams. So I agree with you. I think I think Zim is that way too. I think they'll more. Minis- uh, yeah, he's definitely like that. And I'll tell I'll tell you the other story too. There are going to be major, major changes here. Let's run them down for a second. I'll give them to you real quick. Detroit, good chance they're going to be changing coaches. Houston, good chance they're going to be changing coaches. They're going to be changing coaches in Indianapolis, changing them in Chicago. I think Bowles are safe. Uh, could change the coach in Washington. Uh, obviously, they're going to change uh, the guys we know about already. Like, uh, I think, uh, you, know, you know, Baldwin Lewis is out. You know, Cincinnati's out. Arizona? But also, uh, Arizona, they might make him retire. 
Del Rio could be in trouble. I yep. think Denver's going to make a change after one year. You could have 10 coaching changes again this year. It could be a huge year again. Now, don't be surprised about Oakland. Don't be surprised about Detroit. I think there's a lot of places where you could, and even Arizona I'm hearing, so he, they, he could be retiring. So there could be a million changes this year. And you didn't mention, did you mention John Fox, Chicago? That's in oh, play. he's out for sure. He's yeah. automatic. Yeah, he's he's out. Indianapolis, Chicago, Cincinnati are automatic. Those and, are absolute. And Dallas, he's staying. He's absolutely staying. Garrett's not going anywhere. He's staying. Unbelievable. And I think Bowles is. And I think Bowles is staying. I saw McCagnan on the field. I took my son Harrison, who's a Chiefs fan, to see the uh, Chiefs uh, with the Jets, and I had a long talk with McCagnan. He told me he's going to keep Bowles, so I think he is. I think they're going to give Bowles another chance. So, if you wanted to bet on the Chargers to make the playoffs this week. Baltimore would have to win, and Tennessee would have to beat the Jags. That parlay is plus plus two sixty six. I kind of like it because right. basically the team that needs to come through is the Jags. And the, the key the key with them was they got killed last week. They don't want to go into the playoffs having lost two straight, giving up forty three in week sixteen. Like I actually think they're going to try. It's a division rival. They'll knock them out. They'll feel good about it. Now you have some momentum. And that's one of my well, picks. I, I it's Jags plus three. I I, that's my first pick. And I get it. We forgot one other one. You know who else I think is out? Dirk Cutter's out in Tampa. And I, oh, not yeah. only that, the rumor you hear in there is Gruden. I mean, the Gruden rumor is getting stronger and stronger in Tampa. I mean, you keep hearing that rumor. I don't know if it's true. And there's always Gruden rumors. But he does live close by. And there has been talk of him talking about putting a staff together. So let's see. Maybe he is. But I think Dirk Cutter's out there, too. Here's why I think Gruden's coming back because he's completely given up on how to broadcast an NFL game. He says nothing. <laughs> he has said it, he's you made a he point says, for three months. He says he, he says he loves everybody. If you notice, oh, yeah, I love that guy. No kidding. I love that guy. Oh, I love that guy. You know, I love that guy. I love that guy. I love that guy. You're absolutely right. He loves everybody. He Any even t- loves you. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Anytime an announcer is just praising everyone left and right, like he's done games where the quarterbacks have been flat out atrocious and he's just kind of ignoring it. And that's why I think once announcers at that point, they want to come back. I could tell with Steve Kerr, his Steve Kerr's last year announcing games. I, it, and I know him too. So I, I could just tell something shifted where you could tell they, they just don't want anybody to have any bulletin board material. And that's it. And can we spend a minute and talk about Jimmy G? Oh my the God, we called it. Jimmy, has anybody ever, and I got ripped in New York when I said, I would give up two number ones to get him in mm. the middle of the season when somebody called me and said, how could you get, I said, I will give you two number ones for this guy. <laughs> and the legends of Jimmy G continues to grow this week with a little help from the Rams, but how about last week? And he did get some help from his good friend Bortles last week who played like a total bum, yeah. but Jimmy G put up, a, you knew that Jacksonville was not showing up when Jimmy G had 150 passing yards in the first quarter against Jacksonville last week. With no receivers that anybody can recognize. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, who are these guys? It's a, can you imagine this guy? The, can you imagine what the offseason is going to be? This guy went to a one in 10 team and won five straight games. It's, it's, and he's definitely winning this week. And 
I, I was so mad that I didn't back him last week. I got scared. It just seemed like too many people were excited about Jimmy G. All my I didn't either. All I didn't my gambling either. senses were like, stay away. Right. I thought Jacksonville was just so much better. But as soon as it got close and it got 16 up and then Bortles helped out by throwing a pick, you know, yeah. you were in good shape. That was it. Bortles chipped in. You never know what Bortles you're getting. You're getting the Bortles who's playing for your team or Bortles who's playing for the other team. You just never know what Bortles you're getting in this league. You, you just, one week it's one and one week it's the other. There's the good Bortles and there's the uh-uh Bortles. But well, that's there, it. There's one thing about Bortles, and I think Nick Foles, you can say this too when we get to the playoffs. If they're down 10 plus, it, the game's basically over. They can't, they're not going to be able to come back. Once the other team knows they have to throw, that's when the bad stuff happens. And uh, how many times last week did Foles expose his tight end's ribs in one game oh over the middle? How scared was Jeffrey? He if he went up the ladder, one, oh, he wouldn't even talk after the game. Yeah. He left the building. He was furious. I mean, this guy hung how many receivers out to dry last week? And then, oh my God. And then it was like basically a tie game, the fourth quarter, and they're just handing off when you know they're handing off when there's an eight man lineup. The Eagles are like, that's fine. We're still handing off. We're not letting this guy do anything. Uh, it's, I can't remember a one seed with a worse quarterback. I actually went through. I went through all the teams. I told you, it's the, Rex march of the, wooden, the march of the wooden quarterbacks this year into the playoffs. It really is. And then on the end of it, who's there? Of course, your beloved, Mr. Brady. I know. In, with this group of tin soldiers, it is unbelievable what is going on. And I, I somehow can see the smoke clearing and see a Minnesota uh, New England Super Bowl. And I was talking about the, the, the unbelievable thought of Case Keenum and Tom Brady sharing a Super Bowl stage is kind of hard for anybody to actually digest. The biggest thing that's happened with the Pats these last six weeks has been Deion Lewis has become like a top eight running back and is really the best all-around running back they've had in a, in a few years. Maybe even Corey Dillon didn't catch balls out of the backfield like this. I think he's the total no, package. No, he's playing great. He's playing great. And I'll tell you this. The last drive in the Pittsburgh game was the single greatest performance in a, in a capsule by a tight end I have ever seen in my life. Oh, he just destroyed him. He, 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 he beat people one-on-one. He made catches on the flat run. He took a ball off his shoe tops on the dead run that was thrown basically about laces high, and yeah. he caught it. I mean, what an, and then caught the two-point conversion. What an, that was the tour de force. We've got to do is show that clip. You don't have to show anything else. Right. If you want to discuss the greatest tight end in history, just show that clip. You don't have to show anything else ever. Just that drive, which was all Gronkowski, just show that. You don't have to show anything else ever again. And then you got to ask, too, why he was never double-covered once on the whole drive. But that's another thing you discuss later. You know, why yeah. they would never, ever give anybody help on that drive. Especially with the other people that were out in the field. I, I, I just want Gronk to get through the season. I wouldn't, I'm not even sure I'd play him. Like, we didn't talk about the East Coast weather. It seems like it's going to be freezing, freezing cold on Sunday. And uh, I would not play Gronk more than a quarter. Well, you might, listen, you might not have to in the second half. You yeah. might not have to. That one should, you know, listen, you know they're not losing that game. You know they're winning the game. You know Pittsburgh's winning the game. They're going to be the one of the two. We all know that. And then the fun starts with the rest and to see where there's going to be an upset in the apple card. So let me give you a couple of picks Let's here and it. then we'll uh, call it a day. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm on with Atlanta again one last time. They're a four-point favorite at home against Carolina. I'm going to the well. They need to win. I still think 
They can do damage in the playoffs. I will be bitterly disappointed. Now, listen, I admit they've burned me a couple times this year. I've won on them, too. I've been on them a lot this year. They've been a story for me all year. I'm going with them against Carolina. Uh, I think once Carolina gets broken, if they do early in this game, they'll realize that, you know, get ready for the postseason. That'll happen in the second half. So I like Atlanta minus four. We mentioned San Francisco, which I have right now as a three and a half point favorite. You know, it's going to go up. Take San Francisco. A, the Rams are not trying. I think the Rams want to lose this game. I think they prefer the route they want to take with a loss. The saga, the legend of Jimmy G continues to grow. So I go with San Francisco, whatever your line is, three, four, whatever, whatever it is when you get it. Let's go with four and a half. Okay, four and a half. San Francisco is game number two. And then for game number three, uh, I'm going to go with Baltimore. Minus 10 and a half in Marvin Lewis's last game. Cincinnati had their moment last week. At Baltimore, with their defense, they'll come up big. They'll probably you know, cover on a pick six late. I don't like the Ravens laying 10 and a half, but they have to win the game. They're going back to the playoffs. That coach in big spots usually produces big things from his specials, from his defense, and then whatever he can get out of his offense. Those are my three. So I'm going with uh, see. I'm going with Atlanta minus four, San Francisco minus four and a half, and Baltimore minus ten and a half uh, this week. What do you got? I have good news for you. The Baltimore line is now nine and a half. So you're getting a free point out of that. Okay, I'll take minus nine and a half. Go ahead. I also have the Niners four and a half just because I need a win. Okay, and that's All right. I, I think that line is going to be seven and a half. I have the Jags plus three. I think they win outright. I'm not a believer in Tennessee. And, you know, Blake Bortles, you can't tell me he's going to play two terrible games in a row. Oh, wait, you could totally tell me that. But (laughs) but I I just don't like Tennessee. I don't think they're very good. And I think they're going to blow it. And it's, I just feel like the Chargers are going to be in the playoffs. I have no explanation for it. It's just this gut feeling that I think the Jags win. I think the Ravens win. And I think the Chargers win. Chargers make it. And yet the, uh, the third team, I thought about the Bengals plus eight and a half or plus nine and a half. I'm with you. It does. I think that game's going to be close. It's going to be cold. I don't think the Ravens are very good. And I think the Bengals are going to keep that tight. I'm not going there. I'm going with Miami at home, plus two and a half against the Bills. I just don't think the Bills are good. I, I don't see it. I, like you look at their, their last, since week nine, they lost by 13, they lost by 37, they lost by 30, they lost by 20, and they lost by 21. And they beat Miami in week 16 in Buffalo. I don't think they're very good. I like this kid, Drake, on uh, on Miami. I th- I could see him having like this random 220-yard week 17 game. And uh, I just think I'd knock him out. Let I me just- ask you one thing before I go. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're Mr. NBA. Yeah. How many times do you think LeBron got fouled in the last two minutes of that game? <laughs> oh my God. Well, what was crazy is he, he always gets calls. That was like the first how time many, I can remember him not getting calls. Can you believe how many times he got hacked by Durant in one play? I mean, he must've got hit 15, two times. I mean, how does he not go to, how does he not, if Larry Bird had that happen to him, nobody would have got out of the building standing up. I mean, could you imagine somebody of his stature? National TV, Christmas Day, does not get the call going down the paint, going down the lane like that, and gets hammered as many times as he did and raked across the face by Durant. That was unbelievable. Where do you stand on Van Gundy just all the time now complaining about referees and instant replay to the point that it doesn't even seem like he's focused on the actual game anymore? Well, you know, it's funny. uh, 
I think he's bored, and I, I love Jeff, and I know him very well, and I think he has fought with the ideas of the whole idea of what it means to put into coaching again and what to put your family through coaching again and all the travel and all everything else, but I really think he needs to be energized. I think he's bored doing the games, and I think he wants to coach again. He came very close to coach the last two years. Yeah. I really think he wants to come back in the league. And I think he needs to, just like you said about Gruden, I think Jeff needs to come back in the league now. And I think he will. I well, think he's come very close and I think he's about ready to come back into the league. I wish him luck with the officials that he's been insulting year after year <laughs> now for the last six them. years. <laughs> and Breen, well, that, they make up for, because Breeny, who I love and is my, I, I play golf with all the time and is my neighbor. I mean, Breeny is my neighbor and I play golf with him all the time and he never, ever knocks an official. So, you know, yeah. that they're, they're pretty much balanced because Breeny loves the official. I'll tell you the Christmas day thing that got buried. Cause everybody was so obsessed with that Warriors calves and the uh, LeBron again calls. OKC's kind of coming together and they figured they out are. that it's Westbrook's team. It's yes. his show. Everybody else is the sidekick and they, their team fell into place and they're very good defensively and they're becoming interesting. You know, I saw their bottom. I took my son, Jack, who is a huge Westbrook fan, yeah, to the game to see them when they came to the Garden last two weeks ago on yeah, Saturday that was, night. That was a bad one. That was, that was their bottom. They lost to a team that had, they lost to Baker and McDermott, okay? And, and Beasley getting 30 that night. And that was the bottom. And the next game, it, he's come out and Westbrook's become Westbrook again. Yeah. And the other guys, as you said, are now all bit players. And now it's Westbrook, triple-double, Westbrook, 30 shots, Westbrook leading the way. And I, they haven't lost since. So I think With you're right. Defense. They have turned the corner. They have turned the corner now. And they've gone back to being the team they were last year. I totally agree. And the thing they had with... Uh having those two guys to throw at Harden who are probably like two of the best four guys you could conceivably throw at him. They, they, that is yeah. not a team Houston wants to see in a playoff series. You know what's the think. worst thing for that team, though? They really need to do one thing, and I don't know if he's unselfish enough to do it. They need to put Carmelo on the second unit. Their second unit can't score if they would put Carmelo on the second Flip unit. It, yeah. He could become the terrific. He could become the Vinnie Johnson and score a lot of points playing 22 minutes a night, get himself 18 points a game, be the focal guy to take all the shots on the second unit. Their second unit cannot score a lick. And I think he's perfect for that. I hear Billy Donovan wants him to do it. He hasn't agreed to do it, but that would be perfect for that team. You, he just went from being the savior of New York basketball five years ago to you just compared him to Vinnie Johnson. I did. So what a I fall for right Carmelo. Now. Wow. Hey, At best, that would be a compliment right now, <laughs> the way he's playing. That night he went five, you know, he went five for 18, Bill, yeah. and had a nightmare that night and got booed. And on the way out of the arena, I was waiting for the players to come through the hallway with my son, he stepped out of the line and came over and said, Mike, congratulations on a great career and walked away. So wow. that was a pretty nice thing. No. You know when he, and coming off with a bad night where he had that kind of night, that was pretty nice of him to do. But last question, what was, uh, what was the feedback on your first podcast appearance last week? You know what? I've been in Florida, so I have not been, I've been out of the loop, so I oh. really can't tell you that much. Okay. You'll have to tell me. I've been away. I've been traveling with my family. I'm right now, uh, 
little north of Palm Beach. I'm bouncing around. I've been playing golf, and, and I'll be back in New York next Tuesday, and okay. then I'll have a better idea. So I haven't been around very much. The feedback is excellent, and the the one oh, thing people seem to want is they they want more movie reviews and more of your uh, movie and TV thoughts. So we're going to have to work on that Anytime. next week. Yeah, see more movies. Oh, see more holiday movies and stuff. I will this week. I'm going to see two or three. Ha- Happy New Year, and I'll talk to you next week. Happy New Year. Talk to you next week. Thank you. All right. Bye, Bill. Thanks so much to Mike. Before we get to the other stuff, with over 19,000 State Farm agents nationwide, you can get an agent that gets you, as well as Chris Paul and James Harden, get each other. That's the focus of the Ringer's first NBA Relationships Goals video. James Harden, Chris Paul, I was surprised when they ended up together. But I'm more surprised that they just seem to love playing with each other already. No ego at all. And uh, it was clearly a relationship that was cemented over lots of texting. I think texting has really brought NBA players together more than anything. Uh, be sure to check that video out on TheRinger.com, The Ringer's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Ringer, The Ringer's Facebook or Twitter, at Ringer. Are we at Ringer? We're at Ringer, right? At Ringer. At Ringer, okay. And remember, like teammates on the court, a relationship with a State Farm agent sets you up for success off the court as well. Go to statefarm.com to get an agent that gets you so the first thing we're going to play is from the aforementioned two-part podcast I did with Kevin O'Connor on the Ringer NBA show this week. We're going to play you two parts. One is a conversation we had about the Lakers, and the other is a conversation we had about OKC. Let's get to those right now. Lakers, 11 and 21. A couple things to mention with them. I, I've been so encouraged with what I saw from Lonzo the last week. I know I, I hate the Lakers with every fiber of my body, but I also love basketball. And it's much more fun if Lonzo's good. The aggressiveness that he showed in a couple of those games the last couple of weeks and how hard he was attacking and, and just trying to do stuff, I thought was super encouraging. But that's not my uh, my thing. My, I'm just really impressed by Kuzma as an offensive basketball player. He's He's really, really advanced and polished at a position that, it's hard to find guys who have the array of skills that he has. I think that we were all kind of waiting to see if this was going to be a flash in the pan or, you know, the summer league carried into the first couple of weeks and then he was going to fade off. And I just don't think he's fading off. I think this is who he is. I, I'm really, really, really impressed by him. I think he's an excellent player on offense. I don't know about the defense part yet, but I think he's really good. They got a gem at 27. Congrats. Mine's Kuzma too. I want to see them feed him the ball more. I want to see what he's really capable of. Um, Like I said with the Kings, I want to see those young guys play more. If you're the Lakers, Kuzma's already playing plenty. What I want to see is get him more shots, feed him more opportunity, put him in positions where you're leaning on him to score. I mean, the last couple of games, 18 shots, 19 shots, 15 shots, 17, 16. That's more like around the range that I would like to see him even more so the rest of the season because I want to see what this guy is really capable of. 22-year-old rookie, 27th pick in the draft, already averaging 18. It's not inconceivable that if this is for real, he's a guy that can average in the low 20s for you the rest of the season if you're feeding him the opportunity. I mean, his footwork for his age and his his really experience level is outstanding. I think I think Kuzma deserves a lot of credit for transforming his game over this summer uh, because he's a different guy. I mean, people can say that the NBA missed on Kuzma, but Kuzma deserves credit for transforming his game. I mean, he has elevated his game to another level. So it's not necessarily that teams missed. It's that I think Kuzma really helped set himself apart from what he once was. I read an interesting quote from Donovan Mitchell when somebody asked him, 
why is he doing this? Why is he playing so well? Why is he better in the pros than he was in college? And he was good in college. And he said, when I was in college, I was taking five classes a semester and doing all these other things. Now my whole job is to play basketball. Of course I should be better at it. It kind of made sense. It was a weird quote that made me think. And I'm thinking like, yeah, this is all these guys do is play basketball. And in some cases, that's actually worse for them that they lose their structure and you know they're on their own a lot, stuff like that. In other ways, in a, in a case with somebody who's a really hard worker like Mitchell or, or Kuzma, who this is all they're doing, you know, you see some benefits. Okay, see, 19 and 15. It, you know, they just have a lot. They have Westbrook and Paul George are really, really good and they have to be taken seriously. And it seems like they've figured out that my one thing for them is they've now figured out that it's not a big three. It's Westbrook's team and Paul George is his wingman and Carmelo is one of the other guys. And it took them 30 games to get there, but they got there and that this is the team they are. And the more Westbrook takes control like he has, the better off they're going to be. Trying to split everything evenly between the three guys was a mistake. And I think they realize that now. What's your one thing? Let's kind of one and two. I think for one, their defense is for real. Uh, I think, you know, considering the fact that we are almost into January now, they have so many guys on that end of the floor who can defend one-on-one, who play strong team defense, who play with effort. I think that defense is absolutely for real. And kind of attached to that thought, if, if you do consider that their defense is for real, and it is versatile, can do so much on that end, if their offense continues making progress like it has this past week-ish. You know, Westbrook has really elevated his play, um, both in terms of scoring efficiency, making smart passes, good decisions, playing with more effort himself on the defensive end. What can they be? Like, they can be, they could be tremendous by April if their offense continues building and continues making more and more progress um, because their defense is their foundation and because that does allow them to, I think, stay in games. Uh, If their offense gets on the level that you need, they could be a real threat. I mean, people are talking about Houston as a team. Maybe they can topple Golden State. Maybe by April, people are talking about Oklahoma City as, oh, well, could they be a threat to Golden State? Because nobody's really talking about that at the moment. But by April, we'll see. Uh, they've made some nice progress these last 10 days or so. I realized yesterday during the Christmas game, and I, I agree with what you said, by the way, and their defense should be good because they have Paul George and Steven Adams and Robertson if they're going to play them. But I realized yesterday watching them against Houston, that's kind of a nightmare matchup for Houston. Assuming OKC can get their shit together 100% by by May because they have two dudes to throw at Harden who are have to be two of the five best possible dudes to throw at him, right? Paul George and Robertson. So yeah. Robertson and Roberson, what did we decide? What's the latest? Robertson. Robertson. I, I just want to call him Roberson over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> but they have two awesome guys to throw at him. And then on the other side, Westbrook's always been a problem for Chris Paul. Always. And this was when Chris Paul was a good athlete. Isaac, you know. Did Chris Paul like guarding? Uh, he did not like it. He was all right at it. Didn't love it though. Didn't love it. Yeah. Never loved it's it. It's hard. It's like riding a bull. Preferred uh, yelling at his teammates. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac, better Clipper fan. Isaac. But um, it is kind of, I don't know. If they caught Houston in the right series, I think uh, that wouldn't be ideal. I, I do think the most important thing is that they figured out that Carmelo just isn't the Carmelo from 2013. Once they realized that, they were in a better spot. Indiana's 19 and 14. Old Depot. Oh. I mean, Unbelievable. You could argue he should be, I I know we're not doing the conventional all-star game anymore, but you could argue he's the starting two guard in the all-star game. It's him or DeRozan. 
Who would you pick? Oladipo. I think I would too. By a hair. By a hair. By I a think hair. he's better it's defensively. Close. Yeah, that, that's the edge on the defensive end. So that's been great. That's a win. We all have to keep apologizing to Kevin Pritchard. That trade was awesome. And <laughs> I'll be interested to see if they make one more move to to become a little bit more dangerous come playoff time. What's your one thing for them? Besides Oladipo and his development, Sabonis as well. We talked about this on, I think, your podcast a couple of weeks ago. Sabonis yeah. in a new situation, new circumstances, not spotting up as much, um, playing more from the high post. Sabonis has, has taken strides in his game as well. So that that's a testament to both him, his abilities, and the coaching staff putting him, him in a position to succeed. All right, the next thing we're going to play you is from the Ringer NFL show with Chris Borland and Kevin Clark talking about treatment of NFL players by the team's medical staff and some of the conflicts that are pretty much inherent in that relationship. This is a, this is a really good, lively section. Here we go. My dad was a college football player. He played in the early 70s. Um, he didn't start until high school. They played eight games a year in Wisconsin on big, heavy, thick grass with light equipment, and everybody was slower and smaller. Um, you know, we played 15 a year when I was in high school. We yeah. went out of state to hit in the offseason. He played college football. Um, you know, their preseason was two weeks. Ours was four. We had 15 bowl prep practices, 15 spring ball practices. So I think over the next 25 to 50 years, we'll see a generation, generations of players that just hit their head thousands more times than my dad's generation. Um, you know, it makes me sad, um, but we have to deal with it. It's not going to, ignoring it's not going to do anything. What's that drill when they have the two guys lined up Oklahoma in the small space? Drill. It's yeah. amazing that drill still exists. Yeah. It's, it's, they should just change that name to concussion. <laughs> from Oklahoma. I mean, seriously, it's just like, it's like, here, here's a structured car crash for the next half hour. Yeah. But 20 years ago, that was like the drill. It was yeah. like, all right, let's find who's the, who the who, men on this team. Bull in the ring and all of yeah. those. We used to do a drill at Wisconsin called Badger, where two guys would line up uh, a yard and a half from one another and just try to drive one another. And it's how we would start a practice that we wanted to be especially physical. Yeah. Um, so coach blows the whistle after, after warmups and says Badger drill and everybody comes just to a hundred guys just to hit um it doesn't make you any better at football uh it doesn't improve your uh improve you in coverage it doesn't improve your run fits it doesn't make you more physical it just causes injuries so that barbaric senseless drills like the nutcracker and bull in the ring and badger um, i think we're seeing them phased out um it's past due honestly it's uh um it's silly to do something that wouldn't make you better at, at your sport just to be tough we're gonna stop doing them in the office <laughs> The drills are out. We, we can't stop Oklahoma. <laughs> we found some good interns. Pull in the that ring. Ran. We got pull in the ring running over there. Have you ever been at one of the practices where they've done those? Like yeah. close up? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 brutal. It's always the best hard knocks moment of whatever the uh, first or the, second yeah. episode is. The worst thing, I think, in NFL practices are how cavalier they are about when a guy gets hurt. And uh, everybody pretends like the guy wasn't hurt. I remember it was at a Giants practice a couple of years ago, and this guy like clearly like either blew out his knee or whatever, and it was just like guy moved out of the way. Next pull him off the that, field, and it's like that guy's. It, I remember it was like an undrafted guy. It's like that guy's like livelihood might be over forever. And yeah. the the modus operandi here is we don't care. Yeah, that was shocking to me yeah. when I got to college. Um, in high school, if a kid got hurt, practice would stop. The trainer would come out. In college, it was move at fifteen up. Yep. Um, sometimes the play, you know, if it was a broken play, would almost go back into the guy who's still there writhing in pain with a torn ligament. Um, You're still here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, wow. That, that was Did you ever see the movie Rollerball? 
I haven't, no. It came out in 1974. How many movies have you seen? I, that's <laughs> what I do. I'm an only child. <laughs> <laughs> James Caan. Okay. And it was in the future. Have you seen it? I said, wasn't there a remake? Oh, a new one. The, the yeah, remake. I saw the remake the, on cable. We're not discussing the remake. <laughs> James, it's basically this futuristic sport that's like football. And the guy's is modeled after kind of the roller derby, but football. And there's guys on bikes and just trying to get around. And it's violent like football is. And it starts getting more and more violent. And eventually they just decide to get rid of the rules. And it's like a whole parallel of basically there. It's about, it's a movie about the NFL, but it's not. And in the last thing, it's like basically last man standing wins. And James Conn's like the last guy, but like everybody's dead. So this is 1974, <laughs> and this is like, we're going to make this movie about football, but it's not really about football. So obviously they knew in the 70s, because then you watch North Dallas 40, and it's the same thing, like Nick Nolte is the lead character. This was 1979. Yeah, I'm familiar with He's with, yeah. He's basically, he based his character off of uh, Fred Bulitnikoff and the Raiders mm-hmm. and Dave Casper, who's their tight end. And you know, the first scene, he's like barely can get out of bed. Yeah. Pops like 10 pills. He's drinking. Everyone on the team's crazy. And so they knew this 40 years ago is my point. Yeah. They knew that football was bad and they knew that guys were behaving radically and that was it. And the game became more popular. Yeah. And I, I don't think in spite of the violence, but because of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, in other ways, we've known for 100 years. Dementia pugilistica, which is the first cousin of CTE, was discovered in boxers yeah. uh, in 1928. Um, it doesn't take a lot to extrapolate repetitive head injury from the ring to the, the gridiron. So I think we've known. Um, I'm not one to, to I'm not in favor of a nanny state. If you want to play, I think you should, you should absolutely have the opportunity. And I don't, um, I get being a fan. I feel the same way, by the way. Yeah. I don't think we have to. Um, hold players' hands. I don't think we have to make decisions for people. Um, I do think information's still being manipulated um, fairly insidiously. I think players are intentionally kept in the dark. Um, I have never once been invited by any football entity, NCAA, NFL, Big Ten, anybody, to speak about what I learned. Um, you well, think, they, don't, they don't want to hear from you. No, exactly. And, and if you were a confident, assured organization and someone made a decision that was counter to what you're saying publicly, you would say, oh, okay, come speak to us. Tell us what you didn't learn. Tell the players, inform them. It's basically like if it was cigarettes 50 years ago, right. they wouldn't be like, hey, this guy had lung cancer and quit. Now he wants to talk to you about cigarettes. Exactly. Like, no, he's not talking. Yeah, yeah. Get him out of here. And I completely understand, but I'm just making the point that um, you know, I still think w- inside the game, players are told one thing that's not entirely true. Um, so you're really skeptical of team doctors, because I am too. Oh, yeah. You know- how is the team paying its own doctor to? If I'm a player, I'm getting examined by somebody being paid by the team, and it's in their interest for me to get me out there, back yeah. out there as fast as possible. How is that good for me? It, you know, Dracula's running the blood bank. That's what we used to say sometimes. Um, and if you look at a doc and the team docs before the game, they're slipping on their pullover, they're putting on their cap. They're pumped up. They love yeah. it. They want to beat, you know, they want to beat the other team. Yeah. They love it. They kind of, most guys probably wish they were on the team or had played. Um, and then they're in charge of your health, um, aside from the financial, who they're paid by and everything. Um, it's about winning. Um, I don't know if there's any way to have independent docs truly, because at some juncture, you're going to be hired by somebody whose interest is football. So my, my thing is broader. Um, you know, I think just 
open science and just telling everybody what the issue is, if we can have these tests and guys can play for three or four years um, at the dangerous positions like linebacker, I think if you avoid a catastrophic injury, most guys who played a short period of time will likely be okay, or at least won't have symptom, symptoms that are traumatic. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, we don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't think we need to throw away the, the baby with the bathwater. Football's been great to me. Any given Sunday, that was another, that was 20 years ago? James Woods, the team doctor, is like <laughs> like what you were talking about. Yeah. Get him back on, give him a shot. That's yeah. all they care about. Yeah. Is getting the guys back on the field. It's- I I once uh was having my hand worked on and my wrist retaped. And so this was during halftime and didn't have a third hand to take my other Tordal pill. So uh-huh. the doc opened it and put it in my mouth for me. Jesus. And I just thought, yeah, shit. Like that's uh I'm a piece of meat. Last but not least, from the One Shining Pod with Mark Titus and Tate Frazier, we talked about 12 teams that just should be better at college basketball. Everything culminated with the Pacific Ocean rivalry that we we really want to start. And it may never start, but who knows? We're, we did our best to try to start it. Loyola Marymount, Pepperdine, two schools that should just be better at college basketball. Here we go. This is, as in the words of Bill Simmons, what should be the Duke Carolina of college basketball. We have saved, we'll, we'll just do them together. Pepperdine and Loyola Marymount. This should be what Duke and Carolina and Louisville, Kentucky have. The Pacific Ocean. Yes. Would now be, it would move to the West Coast. You have Pepperdine in beautiful Malibu where they had the Battle Network Stars. They shot, they were like, what's the most beautiful campus we could shoot the Battle Network Stars on? Pepperdine. 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 Um, it's unbelievable. It's on a cliff. It's, it's, you can't even have you been there yet? I've not been there, no. You can't even believe it. You can't believe this exists in the world, this campus. Um so you have that and then you have Loyola Marymount. And we which, should say that's where all the NBA players over the summer, like you talk about the summer games, they, they play, play a bunch of them at Pepperdine. Because yeah, they all live in Calabasas and they all use the Pepperdine gym and they they carve Wait, it out what? for them. Yeah. How are yeah. they not how how do you not use this to your advantage? Exactly. Recruit, so like, think about recruiting. No you're kidding. Like, you can watch what? LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Stephen Curry play play each other this summer. It's like, oh, okay, I'll hang around campus. And then in they go to Nobu. Yeah. <laughs> oh so you got that. You got Pepperdine. Then you have Loyola Marymount, who had the Hank Gathers, Bo Kimball team, which mm-hmm. is still my number one college basketball memory of all time, the left-handed free throw. Best moment for mm-hmm. me for college basketball. You have that history. It's in Marina Del Rey. It's on the water. It's a it's straight a drive to the water, too. It's like if is Holy really? Cross was on the nicest, greatest place on the planet, it would be Loyola Marymount. It's right there, Marina Del Rey. It's off off the side. It's a little off the beaten path. Um, all this Silicon Valley tech money has gone down there in Playa Vista and Marina Del Rey. Silicon and, Beach now is what yeah, they're calling it. It's, it's like one of the hottest areas in the country, and now the last piece is a basketball team. And they're in Gonzaga's conference. Either of those schools could take the Gonzaga corner right now. Here's my concern. Uh, what you've described makes for, to me, a soft basketball team. Everyone everyone in the Midwest and on the East Coast knows the Cold weather LA makes are, them tougher. You're right. They're soft. The LA teams are soft. I remember we played Cal one time at, at Ohio State, and basically that modest pregame speech was like, these guys are soft. Just go kick their ass. And that's like pretty much all I said. <laughs> and we did. And that was how it worked. And, I have uh, an extra caveat for you. You're not allowed to drink on the Pepperdine campus. <laughs> Ooh. I don't, is that, is that Not a allowed thing? to drink, but you can no drink at Nobu Malibu and come back to the Pepperdine campus, you, or you rent a little house in there. But yeah, no drinking, no partying on the Pepperdine campus. It's like one level higher religious than what Holy Cross was. Maloyla so, Marymount's Jesuit, but I think you can drink on that campus. Not that I would know. I don't mean to sound <laughs> creepy. I'm guessing. 
It, it they have to so me. much money at Loyola Marymount too. They have a helicopter. Like when you drive, they have a helicopter pad. Like as you drive into the school, just in case like any of their alumni want to pull up with their helicopter. So they well, have the money at, there. So like when uh, when these disgraced college basketball coaches come back, mm. like Patino is going to come back. He'll pick some smaller school, can stay under the radar a little bit, but they never pick a school like Loyola Marymount. It's always some weird school. Yeah. Or like some school in the middle of nowhere. So, it's like SMU and like schools well, like Steve that. Steve Fisher was smart. Fisher went to San Diego See, State. Yeah. So he was like, I'm going to go live smart. in La Jolla and coach at San Diego State. So there's a good example. Yeah. San Diego State. You they were Kawhi nobody. Knew who the fuck yeah. knew what San Diego State was? <laughs> then he gets Kawhi and they're in the tournament. Yeah. That's a that's a great example. And, and by exa- the way, San Diego State is, is one of those, if we'd done this podcast 10 years ago, yeah. We would have picked them as one of the twelve. And and by the way, San Diego State, when they got to the tournament and played actual teams, always got their shit pushed in. So (laughs) kind of kind of lends itself to my theory. These teams are too soft. soft. Yeah, I have one more that I forgot to put on the board. Are we done with Loyola Marin and Pepper? We don't have to be. No, Um, I forgot about uh, UC Santa Barbara. We Brian Mm -hmm. Shaw went there. They had a moment. Mm -hmm. They had a couple NBA players they produced in the nineties. to, to, for your soft theory, the weather is like weirdly not that good in Santa Barbara. The sun never comes out till like two thirty, and it's windy, yeah. and they have all kinds of weird shit going on. Uh, downtown's cool. It's like an hour and a half from L.A. That's another one. That what conference are they in? Are they in Santa Barbara? Is are they in the WAC? Yeah, I think they, they are. are but everyone's like in the, the WAC. Every, everything West gets Coast. shifted so much from like the WAC to the Mount West and all this stuff. Yeah, so it's, hard it's, to it's keep all track. mumble jumble. That together. one, and then UC Irvine, which has turned into a really great academic school. And it's had a couple of basketball guys over the yeah. year, but that's another one. There should be two more good California schools, is my point. Yeah. Because so I think people are getting smarter and smarter on, oh, if I go to college, I should go where there's good weather. Right now- I, We weren't having that conversation in the 80s. Yeah. People are smarter now because they can figure people out and talk to other people yeah, where they, they go should go. Yeah. on the go. internet. They can go watch videos and be like, oh, those people are wearing shorts yeah. in so, February. That's why I think the pitch is. So, Lorenzo Romar is at Arizona right now. He's the number two guy to Sean Miller. In Arizona, we don't know what's going to happen with the FBI, but whatever happens, Lorenzo Romar- <laughs> Lorenzo <laughs> Ro- basketball is the best. <laughs> Lorenzo Romar is getting out of there. Yeah. And he coached at Pepperdine before mm, and yeah, brought in yeah. a bunch of guys. And he is the king I'm of knowing uh, Michael Porter, I'm Markel Folds, you know, the list goes on and on with these guys he's brought into Washington. So if he goes to Pepperdine, that'll be the sign to point to all of us that Pepperdine is not only back, but they're bringing in NBA guys all, all through Malibu. One bit of Pepperdine trivia. Uh, they're the program that killed Bob Knight. They, in 2000, right. they, uh, right before the 2000 tournament starts, I use getting ready to play Pepperdine. <laughs> the video of Knight choking his player surfaces it becomes a big distraction i use then loses and the night gets fired not long after one that. more so, pepperdine point pepperdine. <laughs> that's a good one one more pepperdine point these schools that have like these west coast schools where they have like the swim team and the volleyball uh-huh. team and the track team athletes always hang around with other athletes you know how it goes yeah, yeah. they're just more comfortable they're there in weird times they're practicing in august or like over the holidays and it's just like, you know, you're on the West Coast. There, there's the crop of athletes is a little more enticing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw that out there. Plus, you the usually fly case. out to Malibu or to Playa Vista to work out when you want to train for the NBA. So, all those people, are, all those trainers and stuff are out here. So, it's easy It's easy access. Yeah. And the NBA thing is a thing now that will happen every year. Like, these guys all live here in the summer now. And they play at either Calabasas High or Pepperdine or UCLA. Those yep. are the three spots that they go to. Yeah, so Pepperdine LMU. I think it's the greatest rivalry, rivalry. the West Coast that has would be not a great seen rivalry. yet. 
But I, I, I just don't we think should it get in on it. I don't know if we, what we have to do, but we should make it happen. What about could we create since we're just making up conferences now a pack <laughs> ocean conference? <laughs> You have to be touching the pack ocean in yeah. some way. It's Seattle, San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. LMU. That's the big four. That's it for the BS podcast. I wanted to thank a whole bunch of people for 2017. We put up a lot of podcasts. It's a big part of what we do. It's We've had a huge imprint on it, I feel like. And the network is growing and becoming more of a force every year. You know about the hosts. You know about the people that host the show. I wanted to talk about the people behind the scenes. Because not only is it hard to produce podcasts, but they become, for lack of a better word, the safety net to make sure if anyone crosses a line, if anyone says something dumb, if a podcast just isn't good enough, we have a bunch of people that are just really good at deciding what the best possible version of a podcast should be. Joe Fuentes, who's been with me since um, the Grandland days, Zach Mack, nephew Kyle, Kyle Creighton, who... A year and a half ago, I made a move here to work on my TV show as a PA, and all of a sudden, he's editing major podcasts, but he's really good at it. More importantly, it makes my wife happy. So that's probably my favorite hire of the past two years. Young Isaac, Isaac Lee right here doing this podcast. Hey. Started out as an intern and has worked all the way up, and we've given him probably way too much responsibility already. <laughs> Jim Cunningham, the star of Top Gun Live. That's what it's Tom called, Tom Gun right? Live. Tom Gun Live. Yeah. Tom Gunn Live. Also somebody that's been with us since the Grantland days. Keenan, the intern, who was super helpful the last few months. And then last but not least, Tay Frazier, who you know has done my podcast since day one. I think he's done the first one. There's been a couple guest producers, but for the most part, it's been me and Tate. And it's been a blast to watch him also become a host. And now he does the Ringer NFL show as well as One Shining Podcast with Tate and Titus, which we just played a section of. So anyway, it's a good team. We have a lot of good stuff in store for 2018 that I'm excited about. Because you know what you don't want to do is just be on the hamster wheel and keep doing the same thing. We're going to take some chances in 2018. We might even have Shea Serrano do a podcast. We'll see if we can convince him. He's been playing hard to get for like two years. But uh, it's been a great year on the podcast front. And for me personally, the best year of podcasts that I've ever done, the guests we've had have been unbelievable and I don't even know how to rank the top 12 but Tommy Alter and I who's another person I should thank who's been booking this podcast but doing more than that he also helps produce and he's talent relations basically and he's been awesome and has been a big asset to this podcast we have had by far the best list of guests that we've ever had on any year I've had I've been doing this podcast since 2007 some great conversations. Most recently, the one this week with Paul Thomas Anderson, which I, I could have gone for like three to four hours. But it's been fun to just keep working at this thing and try to get better and better at it. And uh, I feel like our pod was just, it was the best year I've had. And next year, I want to do even more. So thanks to everybody out there. And special thanks to all the sponsors that we've had over the course of the year who help pay for stuff and also have been really good to work with. Specifically, SeatGeek, who has been sponsoring this thing since the get-go. And it's been fun to watch them grow as a company, too. I feel like we've played a tiny part of it. Tiny, small, infinitesimal. I don't know. But to watch them become an even bigger force than they certainly were when we started to work with them. That's been cool. And it's an app that I've used and um, continue to use. So thanks to them. Thanks to everyone at The Ringer. So proud of everything we were able to accomplish in 2017. And uh, 
on to 2018. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word and look forward to talking to you again in 2018.